0: Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host... You know how to cut to the core of me, Baxter. Oh, oh, oh. You're so wise. You're like a miniature Buddha covered in hair. Michael Preston.
1: Welcome into the Coug Center Podcast, live from Burbank, California, live! No, no, I don't do pukey radio stuff. I'm Michael Preston. Your host every week of this Kook Center podcast. I'll see how many more times I could say it in the first sentence. Plenty to get to this week, especially basketball wise. Uh, the football world relatively quiet right now. Right now, anyway. Not light now. Goodness me. Right now. Uh, baseball got enough to an end. Eh, no, so so start against Western Carolina. Still a good Western Carolina team uh, back east. One and two uh, start the season in their series. So uh, baseball getting underway finally again because nothing says. February and Pullman like baseball, but hey, that's the, gotta play early, I guess. Um, we're here to obviously talk about basketball, this being mid-February. Um, we talk about WSU, the men's last weekend. The women, of course, uh, go to Corvallis, beat the Beavers, and then go to Eugene and lose to Oregon. I don't know how, but Oregon just has their number. Let's just leave it at that. Um but talk about the men at home against Oregon State and Oregon. Uh, a loss to Oregon State, and then I think um, a loss on Saturday to Oregon that I think we would all agree was on the more painful side of uh, maybe losses this year. You saw a Washington State team in the first half go up by double digits to end the half, and then uh, again, another second-half lead frittered away. Um, eventually to pull, uh, to pull the game to tide at the end of regulation, and then in overtime, it tied at the end, and we had another issue. We'll get to that in a second. But, you know, I, I I don't know what exactly the problem is here with this team. We're going to talk to Kyle Sherwood here in a couple of minutes. We'll delve a little farther into that. But uh, it, it certainly is something that, you know, it's it's worrisome, but we've been dealing with it all year. And at this point, what is there to really do about it? The answer to that is probably nothing right now. But uh, hopefully not something we have to deal with down the stretch, although I anticipate it probably will continue to be. Uh, I do want to give plenty of dap, though, to Royce Woolridge. Boy, what a performance from him on Saturday. Had the game of his life. And, again, we'll talk to Kyle about that in a few minutes. But, uh, boy, the guy we thought he was going to be when his eligibility, when he, when he was eligible to begin the year after transferring from Kansas, just what a fantastic game for him. Hopefully even just half of that I'll be happy with for games to come. Just Half of what he did against Oregon, do that every game, we'll be fine, right? I I, I want I do want to get to then how the game ended in overtime, uh, game tied to end regulation, with a miracle three pointer. Don't get those very often at Washington State, do we? Thank you, Taylor Rochester. Game tied again at the end of overtime with about three seconds left, and Dexter Kernich Drew, DKD as I'm so fond of calling him. Uh, fouls EJ Singler with three seconds left. And with the game tied, you can obviously, and you all know the results anyway, obviously see why that is such a poor decision to do. You're putting a guy at the line in a tie game, just one made free throw wins it. And I I guess initially right after it happened, um, I wasn't watching the game. I was following it on Game Tracker. After it happened, I was steaming mad without even having to see what happened. Um incredibly angry and and that lasted for a while and I know people will remain angry at DKD for a while Um, and and some people even irrationally at Ken Bone for uh, you know quote not coaching them up enough or not coaching them for these situations he's coaching them for these situations he can't help it if a player has a brain fart and honestly that's what it comes down to it's a mistake and for a kid as young as DKD and for a guy who whose basketball acumen just isn't there as some other players on the team, it's a mistake. It's an honest-to-God mistake. And I can guarantee you, he felt worse than you did right after it happened and he looked up at the scoreboard. It's just a matter of him not knowing what the score was in, in, in all likelihood. In all likelihood, it's just him not knowing what the score was. And that's not on the coaches. That's not on his teammates. That's on him. He needs to be aware of what the score is. He knows his mistake. I'm sure, as I said, he feels dozens of times worse than you do. Because he's the guy who has to live with it. He's the guy who has to go back in the locker room and say, I lost that game. Now, I would say to him, and I'm a big believer in this, I don't believe any one play wins or loses a game. No matter the the, the direct outcome of that was obviously EJ Singler making two free throws to win the game. But how about not coughing up a double-digit lead? That gets you the win, too. There were other things he and his teammates could have done throughout the course of that game to not allow it to come down to that. Now, did he make a mistake and cost the game? Yeah, sure he did. But I'm I'm a believer that, you know, one play, even though, yes, it kind of looks like it cost you the game, it's not your fault, dude. That's not the reason they lost. There were tons of other reasons. Tons of other ones. Does it stink? Absolutely. But he'll get over it, and so will this team. Going to the Pac 12 tournament next month. I'm not sure how confident I am. We're leaving Wednesday. I'm probably not going to be able to get to see him play on Thursday. That's for sure. But DKD, just rest easy, dude. You'll get over it. Everybody else will, and you'll forget it ever happened. It just, you know, Oregon, as Craig said, found another way to beat Washington State. Kyle Sherwood coming up next here on the coog Center podcast. Stick around. You do not want to miss this. back to the Kook Center Podcast. Uh, it's a distinct honor and a pleasure. We haven't had him on yet. Been trying to get him on, but his booking agent uh, has been hard to get a hold of. Kyle Sherwood of KookCenter.com <laughs> on the podcast. Finally, Mr. Sherwood, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. Hey, so I noticed one thing. You went to Pullman last weekend, and we'll get to a, a little bit more on that in a bit. I noticed one thing. You put a video on, I can't remember if it was Twitter or Facebook. What hotel were you staying in that had a tape deck? still in the room in 2013. Not only, no, this wasn't even a hotel room. This was, this was a hotel suite. Oh, I'm and, sorry. Uh, and, I'm sorry. One yeah. hotel suite still had that.
0: Yeah, this was uh, at the Quality Inn. They had um, they had a, the stereo in the living room was a uh, dual stack tape recorder, which made me really upset because we, bl- we didn't bring any blank Max to make some sweet mixtapes
1: for the ladies. <laughs> the Quality Inn, is that in Pullman or is it over in Moscow? I can't remember.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the one right next to, uh, where. well,
1: we were just talking about it, what they used to call Pete's, uh, the birds Oh, birds. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I only went to the Chevron right there all the time, so I, I don't remember <laughs> it. But uh, So so you got to go to uh, Pullman last weekend, had some nice seats uh, for the game, got to take a picture with Senior Ernie, very jealous about that. Um, but as, <laughs> as it turned out, you got to see uh, quite a basketball game and, and something that... Um, you you wrote about yesterday and also you know just cuz you'd wrote about it last week so the timing was really nice Royce Woolridge didn't handle the ball as much against Oregon and he had the game of his life uh just some thoughts yeah. on that performance on Saturday
0: Well, I think it was a lot of what we thought Royce was going to do um, back when we thought we were going to have a point guard this year. Uh, You know, We thought that Royce was going to be um, in more of a scoring role. And when you kind of simplify what he's going to do and allow him to to attack the ball from the wing side rather than from the top of the key, you're going to get a lot more open looks. And so I think that led to him getting a lot more opportunities, and we saw what, what he can do when he's given those.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh one other thing I, I talked about this in the open a little bit uh you talk about Dexter uh DKD's foul at the end of the game there we <sighs> long discussion about that on Saturday after the game that you know a lot of anger directed uh, at Ken Bone uh, for not, uh, you know, "quote unquote" teaching his players to be aware of it. Um, I I think it's a little bit more of a case of it's just one guy just was not aware of what the score is. It has nothing to do with Ken Bone's teaching ability. Just give me some of your thoughts on uh, on that situation. I I mean, I don't think it's it's Ken Bone's fault at all that that's what happened. Well, yeah,
0: I mean, it's, it's I wasn't even as mad as I was. I mean, I was mad for I was really mad for about a minute, but. but it, it, becomes more sad than anything else I mean you, you can't first of all, you can't expect Kim Bone to be constantly screaming out what the score is to, to his players I mean they have to have some sort of awareness of whether or not the game was tied um, I don't know if he should be really mad about anything that, that, that happened with it as much as it's just
1: a really depressing thing to happen to what from all accounts is a really good kid Exactly. So, um, but you know, I I guess one thing we could point out about that game against Oregon was it's it's another case of in the first half you build up a really impressive lead and then just watch it evaporate completely in the second half. Uh, What do you think it is with this team that? for the first 20 minutes of a game, they seem to play really good basketball. You know, they have a a double-digit lead on a a ranked team in Oregon going into halftime, and then they just fritter it away in the second half. I mean, is there any one thing we can really point to, or do you think it's just kind of a host of things? No,
0: it's a lot of things. I would say one of the biggest things is uh, I don't know if it's necessarily always where we play one great first half and then a mediocre second half. A lot of the time, we're able to put together about 25 good minutes of basketball, and the other 15 minutes are what cost us. And I think that the uh, the lack of depth the lack of depth is killing us specifically because we're not able to we're not able to sub people out, we're not able to give people adequate rest, and we're not able to uh, let people take a look on the bench when they're uh, when they're struggling.
1: I want to I want to touch a little bit on you wrote about Royce uh, a little earlier this week and then you also wrote about uh Junior Longruce, uh last week wanting to see him <laughs> get a little more PT. Hey, my hero. Um what you know just just again go over for folks what what's kind of your uh what makes you so uh so enamored with his playing ability and and, and why you're such a big fan of Juniors? Well, I think I'm- Something like that, yeah, it doesn't really matter, but <laughs> yeah. two to I mean, two to really a lot of losses, be, yeah exactly. You can really only be enamored with
0: potential at this point. Um, junior Long, if you I mean he's the best athlete on on the Giga roster, and he's actually one of the better athletes in the back twelve. And uh, I think one of the uh, one of the things we need to do is is you can kind of when you watch him, he does make a lot of mistakes, but we're kind of at the point now where we need to. Need to uh, give him some reps because the only thing that's going to allow his head to catch up with his body is is allowing him to make those mistakes.
1: So, so you uh, want to see? Yeah. Sorry, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say. You, I mean, you saw like some of the things that he's
0: able to do. I mean, they, I think on Saturday he actually blocked a shot while jumping backwards. Um, and then, then on the, on the other end of the court, he got he bit on a uh, on a rock step really badly. what i'm asking ken bone to do is kind of take the good with the bad uh and realize that uh the good is going to outweigh the bad exponentially
1: two years from now if we ride this out did you happen to meet any of the officials from the we'll move off the organ game after this question did you happen to okay. uh, speak to any of the officials uh after the game at all for uh ken bone being called for technical foul for shouting rebound really loudly
0: <laughs> well no i mean i saw the whole thing happen it was crazy because uh uh, the, the official that actually called the technical foul was probably hundred uh, over a hundred feet away from him. He was the guy was over um, the guy who actually called the technical foul was almost clear over by the opposite tunnel from where uh, from where Ken Bone usually stands. And there were two officials that were closer to Ken Bone that didn't do anything. And so I don't know if the guy thought he was saying something different, but it was.
1: It was an interesting call. All right. Well, you know, I, I don't rag on officials too much because I used to officiate soccer, so I try not to. But sure. dude, you didn't hear anything. Uh, okay. So <laughs> get uh, moving away from the Oregon game here. You got a few weeks left in the season, and uh, I, I know we've hammered this point home: is that is that Kim Bones likely here to stay? And I know you, Kyle, have I've been kind of one of Bones. I don't want to say biggest fans, but you, you've kind of backed him up. I would I would say more than probably anyone I know. Um. You just what what do you like that you're seeing here uh towards the end of the season with this team i know they're not they're not winning like folks would like them to but but are there signs of improvement that we're seeing going down the stretch that 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 kind of help you hold firm in your belief that kim bone uh really is the guy for this team sure um and I just want you know. I want to reiterate: if people are upset with the way that the team is playing right now, I'm I'm kind of with you right there too. Yeah. I
0: mean, I, I this was not what I was expecting this year. I mean, it was it was a little bit when we when we lost Reggie, but it's not. It, I, I never thought it would, it would get to where it's at. I just part of me kind of thinks that Ken Bone has been a little more snake bitten than he has been bad. Mm-hmm. So I think that a lot. I mean, we've been dealing with a lot of injuries, and we've and uh and the and the depth that's on this team right now is. Not where he would he would like it to be. Obviously, that's on him. Mm-hmm. But I think that with the influx of the, of the talent that's coming in next year, it's actually going to look a lot more like what Ken Bone actually wants to put together with the team, as opposed to this year where it's kind of we're playing whoever's healthy.
1: Okay.
0: And so I, I think that he's got he's got another year to straighten this thing out. Um, I think that next year we'll have a better idea of what. A long-term Ken Bone tenure would look like, mm-hmm. uh, rather than rather than what we're seeing this year. If he does it again next year, then I'll jump on board
1: with <laughs> You'll come aboard the Fire Ken Bone ship. I yeah. got you. We get we. There's, there's a seat waiting for you. I think it's even got a seat belt. Uh, <laughs> sure. What what does he then? You know, let's talk about next year a little bit. Is there anything specifically you think that he has to do to avoid? Uh, the chopping block or is this a situation like we had with Paul Wolf where there's, you know, there's not a set number of wins because I think, you know, Bill Moose took his time with that decision. This was not just something he didn't just fire Paul Wolf the next day. He took a little while to make his decision, or at least it seemed like it to me. Is, is this another thing where for Bill Moose, there's not really a set. You need to do this next year to keep your job thing. Or is it just kind of fluid? Uh, It'll just kind of be up to him at the end of next year.
0: I would hope that there's not a specific thing that he has to do. That seems that seems counterproductive. I mean, obviously, we all want to go to the tournament every year, but um, it's not. I, I don't know if it's necessarily productive to say you have to have 19 wins next year, or we're going to go. Or we're going to start looking for another for another position. I think he's just got to. He's got. We'll have to kind of take a look at and see how we've progressed, how much better we are this year, as opposed to. Or excuse me, how much better we are next year um, as opposed to this year, and whether or not uh, Bill Moosefield's the growth can continue. And then the other thing he have to, the other thing he's going to have to think about is if he is going to replace the coach, um, he's going to have to kind of do what he did before and kind of gauge the interest of who uh, who might be interested in a Washington State University and what and whether or not you know that coaching change would actually make any sort of difference.
1: Absolutely. One last question to you. Uh, Las Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament. Will you be there for hijinks? Oh, man, I want to go so badly. Uh, I'm actually going um, on two different bachelor parties this spring, so I'm going to actually <laughs> be in Vegas twice in a six-week span, so I'm pretty sure that the wife's not going to sign my permission. For yeah, I, I doubt so she awful. would. Too. I I don't think she wants you to come home with your liver actually pickled <laughs> inside of your own body. I going to be carrying it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just remember to go to Margaritaville, okay? Yeah, we'll try. Oh yeah, we'll we'll try to get that year. That that a boy. All right, Kyle Sherwood from KookCenter.com, our very own KookCenter.com. Thank you, sir, for joining me. Thanks, Mike. All right, be right back. Got more, as always, here on the Kook Center Podcast. Stick around. Back here to the coog Center Podcast. I am Michael Preston, as always, and uh, normally this would be the space where we did our Dunderhead of the Week. Um, as you know, just, you know, someone who did something stupid, said something dumb, uh, but this is not for that this week. Um, instead, I do want to pay tribute to someone. I get. He's one of my personal heroes, and he should be uh, quite a familiar person to most people, uh, even if he didn't grow up in Seattle, the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Dave Niehaus would have had a birthday on Tuesday, February nineteenth. Um, the man, in his thirty-plus years with the Seattle Mariners, was just synonymous with that team, and was just kind of you know that that one shining light that you really saw throughout the franchise history. He would never called a World Series. Uh, he had a, a few very exciting moments, but by and large, the guy went thirty-plus years announcing for a team that didn't really give him too much to be happy about but no matter what when you listen to his broadcasts the guy was upbeat and he was so so good at what he did his voice was the soundtrack to most of my summers and I know that gets said a lot and it's kind of a cliche but it, it really is true um they've passed away a couple of years ago unfortunately Um, And we were all incredibly sad when it happened. Uh, Mariners have hired a new uh, young man out of Pawtucket. Uh, He's stepping into some very big shoes to fill. But of course, he's got a guy in the booth in Rick Riz who did just that in Detroit for Ernie Harwell for a couple of years. And I, I certainly don't want to say, you know, that this guy can never replace Dave Niehaus. No one can ever do that. And I certainly hope that no one goes into it with the attitude of, well, you're not Dave. Dave Niehaus was one of a kind. And... It's sad that he left this world before he could call a World Series. When that would have happened for the Mariners, I have no idea. But uh, we'll end this segment with still what is my favorite baseball call of all time. We'll come back right after this with Ask Michael Anything here on the Cook Center Podcast.
0: line they're going to wave him in, the throw to the plate will be late, the Mariners are going to play for the American League Championship, I don't believe it, it just continues, my oh my, the Mariners will play for the American League.
1: To the Coog Center podcast, it is time for our final segment, my favorite segment ever Ask Michael Anything. And uh, this week's questions have a definite theme, a very definite theme. There's a, there's a couple that that don't really. I want to get to those first. Uh, the first one comes from my mother in law, actually. It comes from her. Uh, she's asking, Why are there 5,280 feet in a mile? Instead of something easy to remember like five thousand, if it's arbitrary, then can we measure a mile in dog years? Well, dog years and miles aren't the same unit for one thing. But uh, honest to God, I don't know who decided that there were five thousand or five thousand two hundred eighty feet in a mile. I'm not. I'm sure it has something to do with the British way back in the day. I know that's an imperial measurement. Also, this one from uh, our own Craig Powers—a great question. If you had to, this is actually a fantastic question. If you had to make it rain with any foreign currency, which would you choose? I looked it up and this is the one I would choose. The South African Rand. Let me tell you why. Two reasons. One, they're colorful. Like all money should be. Tons of colors on there. But two, the South African Rand has lions and rhinos and elephants on the front and a cheetah too. That's awesome. The, the, picking up those, those, those monies that people would be so, so excited by it. Right? Exactly. Next question coming from uh, our own Brian Anderson again. Favorite Nicolas Cage movie and why? I don't. I hate Nicolas Cage, but if I had to pick one, it would probably be Fast Times at Ridgemont High because he was not in it for very long. Now we get to the food theme ones. Always my favorite. This one coming from a good friend, Donnie Turnbaugh. When eating a cheeseburger, favorite cheese to top the meat with? Provolone. I swear, provolone goes with anything. You, You could put provolone cheese on top of anything, and it goes with it. Also good second candidate Swiss if we're just talking about you know like the regular burger cheese toppings and blue cheese I don't really like this is kind of a deep one from Jeff Collier cake or pie and it's gotta be pie and I'm sorry if you don't like that but you know what I could put tons of fresh fruit in there and there's just so you know there's lots of varieties of cake but there's so many different varieties of pie you got lemon meringue apple pumpkin amongst my favorites and there is the old saying what's more American than baseball and what Apple pie, that's right. Apple pie's American. I love America. I love pie, and you should too. Besides, it's far superior anyway. A la mode, pie a la mode. It melts all... Oh, God, the ice cream melts on the pie. Oh, that's fantastic. Cook Center Podcast back next Wednesday, as it always is. In the meantime, get out there and enjoy some pie.